KFNX News Talk Radio 1100, it's Chatterbox, where you'll find the latest news, interviews, and updates about the gaming world. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host, the guests, and callers only, and not necessarily those of KFNX News Talk Radio 1100. And now, here's your host for Chatterbox. Another week of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. I'm Alon. And I'm Ara. And, uh, you know, we've got a couple weeks left till Christmas. What's today, like the 13th? Yeah. 13th, so... Tuesday the 13th. Yeah, in two weeks, just heads up, we won't have a show. Next week we will be here. We won't be here next week? Okay, so two weeks we will have a show. Next week we will not have a show. My mistake. That's good, since I won't be here next week, I guess. And I guess neither will I. <laughs> okay. Or anybody else. I mean, I won't even be in the state. I'll be away. But uh, so I actually come back to Phoenix on on that the Tuesday that, that we're supposed to be back on the air. So I am i don't know what my flight plans are, but I'm hoping I get back in time for the show, probably. Me probably too. will. But we'll do it anyway. Yeah. Or I'll do it anyway. <laughs> I guess good. if you won't be here. So, uh, so yeah, there you have it. We'll be we'll be back in a couple of weeks. But uh, but for today's show, we also have have a guest. Do do we want to bring him on right from the beginning? The whole show. That's yeah. The plan? Let's just yeah. Let's just bring him on in the beginning and uh, let's see how long he can survive. So uh, our guest tonight, his name's Scott, and he is a veteran game designer. And um, you asked me a lot, what's he like? And so my response was, uh, he's just like me, but much smarter. So um, Scott, are you there? I am here. All right. Thank you for joining us, Scott. Yeah, thanks for calling me smart. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it. First first test, Scott. Um, what what did Ara tell you to convince you to come onto the program? Uh, nothing. Actually, he's told me about the program a while ago, and I told him I was interested in joining you guys at some point. And uh, then things got hectic, and I ended up moving to the East Coast. And uh, so here I am, 11 p.m. my time. Wow. So. Yeah, sorry about that. We can't That's we can't okay. do much about that right now, but um, That's fine. So we've got we've got quite a bit to talk about. As, as soon as I saw Ara tonight, he pointed out that there's there's so much to cover right now. Yeah, we got we got a, we got a bunch of really interesting things. There's there's a couple things that I did prep Scott on, so we definitely got to hit these. So uh, why don't we just start out <laughs> with those? Well, first I want to start off with with what we did before the show. Okay, fair right? enough. Um, you had me come over and check out this Otomedius game. Yeah, and I guess to be exact. Otomedia is excellent because yeah. it's, it's not just the standard not excellent version of the game, which, it was, which Scott won't know anything about. Yeah, I so don't know I, I apologize, Scott. Um, <laughs> well, we'll only cover it briefly, and and that is to say okay. that um, Ara might disagree, but I think the game is really lame. Um, but surprising that it ever made it out in the U.S. And I don't like Ara. You talked before about how you know it's got limited release. It's, it's not, not, it's exactly not that easy good. To find. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like <laughs> not every game I buy, especially the ones that come out at twenty nine ninety nine, are games that I think are incredible. Although normally, I guess for the most part, yeah, I you do. only buy games that you think are really good because you're pretty tight yeah. with, the, with the money. But this one, <laughs> but this one was, um, I knew it wasn't going to be great. But uh, I mean, it's a shooter. Scott, basically, it's like it's an old school like it's a spinoff of the Gradius series. Oh, okay. So it's an old school shooter, just like Gradius. And unfortunately, like my my biggest peeve with it, which which was totally to be expected, was that it's 
it is just as fair and unfair as any of the older Gradius games, right? Like Gradius <laughs> Five for me was a total breakthrough because I thought that not only was it the most incredible one in the series, but it was also like the most fair. And in this one, like not so much. They've got this crazy bloom effect that makes it hard to see things. It makes it seem like uh, things that are in front of things that are blooming are actually like transparent. Which is, like, crazy because it was, like, really, really old school, right? I mean, this is, like, a very old school sensibility, but they got, like, all these effects, so it's hard to see. So there's a lot of, like, there's a lot of cheap shots, and that's what must frustrated you the most along. I, I just found found it to be very slow. Like, I couldn't shoot many bullets at once. I think it only allows two bullets Well, that's, per, that's just because you couldn't get powered up enough. There, there's weapons that are shooting. No, but regardless of how much you can power up in a greatest game, as soon as you die, you're back to being not powered up. Right, and that's one of... And you die often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And that's... So, so this is funny, because Alon, like, this game, as it came out, has, like, unlimited continues, right? But when you continue, your score resets, right? So they also have, like, they keep track of score, too. Yeah. And, and you become lame because, like you said, no, but you check know, this out, right? So, so Alon kept playing, right? And he kept on continuing. And that's at the point where I realized that you get unlimited continues. Because every time I played this game, which is about, like, three or four times so far, I just stopped when my game was over. I didn't continue, right? And so, uh. like, so Alon, you were getting frustrated because you were, like, four stages or three stages into the game. And you're getting pissed. And I'm like, dude, like you haven't earned the right to get this far because you've just been continuing. You haven't yeah. learned. No, and I can respect that, yet. right? I had a very limited time to play this game. I had like 20 minutes here, see what you can see. So I wasn't, first of all, I wasn't playing up to my best. Um, and also it was the first time I saw it. So I didn't expect it to do very well, but in general, it's very slow. And I want you to picture this and I'll do this for the audience as well, Scott. Um, imagine mm-hmm. Gradius or Gradius, whatever you want to call it. So you've got your Vic Viper, a sleek, uh, pointed, very very nice looking uh, spaceship or craft of some sort. Now, yep. scoop out with an ice cream scooper as large as the spaceship, the entire center of the ship and the nose. All right, so you only sort of have the <laughs> wings and a little bit of the rear. And now, take an overly busty, underage girl and have her stand in the cockpit area. Also and, barely clothed. And the wings, it's as if you're wearing a Vic Viper costume because the, the wings of Vic are are simply to the to the side of the waist of the overly busty um, oh. large haired woman or girl. And uh, so you're you're moving around the world with this this giant character, even though the bullets it seems can only hit the actual spaceship portion of her. I didn't test that out too much, so I don't know what the hitbox really it, is. It's smaller, but it is kind of big still. Okay. So you're giant on the screen because you're taking up way more space than the actual spacecraft would if, if there weren't this girl <laughs> um, within it. And um, not only that, you move very slowly, but of course the first power-up you can get is speed, right, to go a little bit faster. But your bullets travel slowly as well. And traditionally in shooting games... Your bullets travel yeah, dude, very quickly. You're just, you're just bad at getting powered up. That, yeah, it's, that's it's not normally an issue. Listen, I've played Gradius before, and I, I wasn't as bored with Gradius. But then again, that was 20 <laughs> years ago, right? So times have changed a little bit. Anyway, game was not that impressive. But the ability to, during menu scenes, click on the girls in various areas and watch them react was entertaining. So <laughs> for you. I'll give it a star for, for that reason so alone. So I was, I was actually shocked because... Um, the soft porn like looked really bad in this game, and I was really surprised because the soft porn should be of much higher quality. <laughs> this is Konami we're talking about. This well, isn't you know, some kind of like shoddy operation. Neither of us had unlocked any of the gallery portion of the game. Well, fair yeah. enough. But like the assets that you saw in the menus, you're like like I, there's there's few things that surprise me, okay? And I was surprised 
at not only how naked all the characters were, but how badly they're drawn. Hmm. I don't know. I I didn't uh, I didn't think they were drawn poorly. Okay. I guess my standards are very high for soft porn. What can I say? I, I suppose. All right. So then you showed me Skyrim, which has been all up in the news. Yes, and Scott's actually played Skyrim too. So I was hoping that he could give you like a different perspective on it because you're continuously wondering what is interesting about Skyrim. Yeah, and you know, after watching you play it a little bit today, I I can understand that if I had a week, like I'm going to have <laughs> next week, of vacation, right? And I could just sit around and play it. That okay, maybe I could understand it, it being interesting. Um, but so far, I haven't actually seen like any missions take place, and so that's the part where I'm still lacking a little bit. But uh, what's most inter- interesting to me about this game is not so much the game, but everything surrounding it. The fact that we've seen so many news stories about it. You tried to to remind me to play this YouTube clip uh, relating to Skyrim in some way about oh, yeah, some we, little girl. Yeah, we got that on the list for yeah. later, later. Then there's all this talk about the DLC, and then I, I read this article about um, how the, the devs find these bugs because players are making YouTube videos of weird bugs with buckets on heads, and how, like... Some people want to keep that in the game, but like the lead developer wants to get it out of the game, and stuff like that is really interesting to me. That you would have, uh, you know, fans finding a glitch and liking a glitch, yeah. and then you know the the devs want to get rid of it. Well, they they only like it if it's there in the beginning, and then half of them don't like it if it's there in the beginning, and then if you change it, then half of them will get angry no matter what. Yeah, I suppose that's understandable. You're you're always going to upset people if you make a change. Hey, hey, Scott, have you uh, patched that game up to its uh, latest version? I haven't actually. No, I played it when it first came out for a few days straight, and then uh, had to kind of move on to other things. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, it, 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 you were smart because um, not just because <laughs> I told you in the beginning, but also because like, right? So they had like a 1.1 patch that came out right away, and then they had like a 1.2 patch that fixed some of the things in the 1.1 patch, but then broke other things. Namely, like, I heard about that. Yeah, namely, like, a little thing called, like, magic resistance and, like, not computing properly, which is, like, sounds innocuous, but... Uh, no, that sounds huge. It isn't until you find out that uh, not computing properly means not computing at all. Yep. Yeah, I was reading about that. There was some uh, very upset people. What What does that mean? So, like, you get, like, stuff in the game that, like, will resist magic, and magic is very powerful. So, like, yeah. you know, you'll be fighting someone, and if they shoot you with magic, then, you know, you'll be killed real fast, right? So you get things to increase your defense against that, right? And so after this patch, it's like, oh, okay, any magic resistance you have, ignored completely. That seems like they they would have had to try real hard in order to make that happen, that bug. Well, see, this, like, maybe maybe Scott has some insight into this, right? But I feel like, like <laughs> Skyrim is so complicated that, like, and it's so huge that there's just no way that they could not have, like, not only tons of bugs, but also, like, crazy subtle bugs that only come up after fixing previous ones. Right, Scott? Yeah, yeah well, I mean, it really yeah depends on their technology. I mean, if, if they used, like, uh, unit testing in their engine, then there's a lot of these functional cases where they could have set them up, and um, when they do do new builds, it would test against that stuff and help flag, flag you know, if something's wrong. But, um, but yeah, in general, I mean, the, the engine, I'm sure, is extremely complicated. I mean, it's a massive RPG with a lot of intertwined systems. So are you suggesting that uh, they just don't have good QA? <laughs> no, not exactly. I mean, actually, you said it could... Uh, that probably would help, though, right? Um, you think that something like that massive would be would be caught on their uh, from their QA department. But So you can usually automate a lot of that stuff, um, especially core systems that are supposed to have a, a certain result, like, a, you know, minimized damage, you know, 25% less because of something like a magic resistance against fire. 
Um, if, but if they don't have those automated systems, then, then you're kind of left up for the humans to catch it. I just would have expected someone to catch that. The, the thing is, like, they've made this series, like, for so many years. Okay, like, even, like okay, so Rich is here magically. I'm just going to say this. Yeah, um, Rich loves this game. Anything. Oh, um, hey. Okay, because he knows this. Rich, how old is Morrowind? Uh, Ten years old, maybe... What year did it come out? Okay, come no, on. No, no, no. Come no, on. No, no. Let me think here. It came out in... Dude, it's about years out, old. It came out in early 2001, I believe. Why are you here if you don't have this the information? the Xbox came out in 2000? <laughs> Morrowind is definitely at, at least about 10 years old, because I remember okay. seeing it on the okay, shelves so while anyway, I worked at It came stores. out with six months after the original Xbox okay, came it's out. It's been like 10 years, right? Yeah. There are bugs. So there are systems in this new game that are basically, you know, a few of them are re- not really changed so much, and they've been in there since Morrowind. And the same bugs have been in for the past 10 years. Okay. But I don't think that it's le- it's it's as much a commentary on their lack of ability as it is a commentary on just the insane hugeness and oversizedness of everything in that game. And there's just too much stuff. There's just hundreds and hundreds of hours to play through it all. I mean, it's crazy. They can make the game half as big and no one would notice, probably. That's actually a really good point. Why didn't they do that? We'll be right back. Arizona's News Talk Leader, KFNX, AM 1100. And we're back. You're listening to Chatterbox video game radio we've got uh we've got like a whole party here tonight we've got rich uh we've got designer extraordinaire scott on the phone um by the way if you've ever wanted to call in but uh never wanted to deal with me and always wish that i'd bring on um someone more adept uh you can call in and maybe ask scott a question okay can we get a review of scott's credentials what uh, what has he worked on the number 866-536-1100 so Scott, maybe Scott can tell us about his credentials. You want to do that? Sure. Prove your worth, Scott. Prove my worth. All right. Well, I, uh, let's see. Uh, about 18 years ago, um, I got into software development. And so just before I got in the game industry, I actually was writing custom software for the special effects industry. And um, But all of that was to eventually get into the game industry. So Did you say special effects years- or special sex industry? Special effects. Okay, not what I heard at all. <laughs> oh, okay. Either either way, I probably would have gone. I'm not. I'm not trying to joke. Honest to God, I thought that's what you said. No, I, I heard <laughs> that too. I was waiting for you to say okay. that. What was great was Alon's like, yeah, kind of like head nod, like smile at the same time. It was great. <laughs> okay, special effects industry. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, and and then uh, so about 16 years ago, I actually got my first job at uh, uh, Honest to God Game Company, and that was uh, Looking Glass Studios. And I got there right at the end of Thief and uh, helped out very, very quickly with the end of that. Um, not enough to get a credit on it. And then um, jumped in um, on System Shock 2. All right. I've heard of that. And uh, so I was uh, one of the designers in System Shock 2. And from there, after, after that, I ended up going uh, jumping from Looking Glass over to um, Volition. Um, before they were owned by THQ, a long time ago. By the and, way, um, um, having heard of System Shock 2 is like um, having heard of, um, God, I don't know. I'm going to have a terrible analogy, but like like a Whopper or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it's right? definitely am, am the most right? popular game I've worked on. I mean, for anybody that's like in the industry, I guess. Like, if you just grabbed a random person that plays Call of Duty, they've probably never heard of System Shock 2. No, they but, may like, not even have people that play games <laughs> outside of Modern Warfare. Okay, it's like having heard of um, Tokata and Fugin uh, B minor for Bach. Okay. Oh, yeah. Or totally. D. Or B or D, I forget. One of those. Really popular. Uh, I okay, guess sorry. for any listeners... Keep going. No, it's okay. I, mean, I guess for any listeners who may not have heard of it, um, it's pretty much where Bioshock came from. Um, you know, the same team went on to the game, the very successful Bioshock. Yep. Yeah. And actually, what a lot of people don't know is that the original kind of seed for Bioshock was going to originally be Shock Three. Uh, we were starting to look into more wetware kind of stuff, and and the things that ended up kind of being Bioshock. Of course, they they completely changed the genre from sci-fi, kind of you know the steampunkish stuff, uh, which is pretty cool. But, uh, so anyway, so after that, I, I went to Volition to work on Descent 4, which Descent is also, of course, one of the old great franchises that got everybody motion sick. Des- Descent, uh, the, the spaceship full, The you know? spaceship, yep. All right, I didn't even know there was a Descent 3. There was a Descent 3, and that's actually why there was a never a Descent 4. Uh, the sales is really starting to drop off. So while we, we just started pre-production on Descent 4, they came to us and said, okay, you got to make a different game. And we ended up making the original Red Faction. You know, you could make Descent 4 and just call it something else, and you'd be fine. <laughs> Sales would probably do better. Right. Well, in our case, we decided, well, let's get people out of their spaceship and, and actually get running around. You know, first-person shooters were kind of really starting to take off back then. So uh, we created the uh, the original Red Faction. Uh, and then from there, I've gone to other companies. I worked at Westwood Studios before. Um, I was working for uh, High Moon Studios more recently for, uh, in, until the Activision Blizzard merger happened. And um, and now I'm actually part of Activision, working at Vicarious Visions on some top-secret stuff. Gotcha. Now, you said you moved back to the East Coast, and I can hear the East, East Coast in you now, so, so I presume you Yes, you I'm originally from the East Coast. That's why I ended up at Looking Glass as my first studio. Um, you know, they were kind of in town, uh, gotcha. which was funny because I didn't know it at the time. Um, I saw Thief being advertised and about to come out and was reading reviews on it. And I was like, man, that, that looks really cool. I'd love to work on stuff like that. And um, so when I looked up the company and realized they were less than an hour away from me, like, oh, perfect. Kind of so, threw myself down there and busted down the front door. <laughs> so, so you're from Massachusetts? Is that is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, Northern Mass area originally. All right, yeah, I'm from Nashua. Yeah, uh, no problem there. Across the border. <laughs> anyway, uh, so... So what do you want to talk about now that now that we're done hearing that he actually made real games? All right. Well, there's there's a few things that I prepped him on, right? Like what I was talking about before. Mm-hmm. So let's check mm-hmm. those out, right? That's that's why I'm moving to. You. All right. So you know you, we were talking about like online reviews, you know, a couple shows ago. You know, fake online reviews are online reviews mostly legitimate? How much penetration of um, garbage or junk or manipulation is this when we, were ta- is, when we were talking about the user reviews on metacritic right stuff like that okay right so i'm going to broaden yeah. the topic a little bit right so like any kind of online like review or even posting on blogs and posting on forums and stuff like that apparently there, there's a story that was um on this blog i like to read called the consumerist where Apparently, there's uh, several Chinese companies. This is a, a, a burgeoning uh, boutique industry at this point. Um, are paying humans to go and, like, hundreds and hundreds of people to go and do these things that, like, 
I guess bots would previously do less effectively, right? So they're literally like paying people like twenty to fifty cents per blog post and per item to write good things about like whoever their client is. This is actually happening, right? Okay. So I find this very interesting because it's quickly like getting to the point where it's like, okay, well, sounds like you can't really trust anything that you read online unless you like it looks pretty legit. Yeah, no, that's true. That's certainly true. Um, that's also why there's laws against doing that, at least in the United States. So Are there? Uh, yeah. Is that not allowed? Yeah, we were talking about this. I think when you were when you were discussing this a couple of weeks ago. Right when when uh, Rich and TJ were in the studio, and I was like, "Yeah, that's oh, kind of right. illegal." Yeah, that's true. Yeah, but if they're in China, you know, rules change. So I don't know if you guys have, any, have anything to say about that, but I just thought it was kind of funny. Um, you know. Yeah, I mean that that stuff's been going on forever, especially in the game industry, um, in some form or another. I've actually, and I won't mention any names, but uh, over the years, you know, I've I've had people be like, "Hey, we want to review your game." Um, you know, send us your review, right? And, like, they'd actually let the the developer write the review on the game, <laughs> and then they would just publish it. Um, Seriously? I, 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 it, it's bit, yeah. I mean, it's that transparent? Just... just Yeah, I, well, behind the scenes, it, I, I think it definitely is in some cases. I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, I've never cared for it, but I've definitely witnessed this kind of stuff happening. Um, As a developer, actually, I'd just be like, screw you, i got better stuff to do. I don't want to spend an hour writing a review. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it helps your sales, then you're a starving developer. Yeah, I mean, like, would you really say that? Now <laughs> if you're in that spot? So, here's the question, though. If you're the developer writing the review, do you just go all out and give your game a 10 out of 10 and say it's totally awesome, or do you give it, like, a 9.5 or 9 to make it look <laughs> legit? Well, I think that's what happens with what Aro was just saying, too, as far as, like, with the, uh, you know, the quick little review posts, it's the same thing, you know, they're not all going to give five out of five stars, some will give the four, you know, some will try to slip in some misspelled words, um, you know, they, they try to, I mean, I've actually seen marketing people do this as well, um, again, like right after a game comes out, and uh, maybe the first couple reviews are bad, they'll try to counter that, and they have all these fake accounts, and I mean, it's 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 pretty crazy, I, mean, I think Trust at me, the end of the day. Marketing people don't have to pretend to slip in uh, misspelled words. <laughs> That happens naturally. But I, mean, I think at the end of the day, a lot of people are hopefully starting to realize this. Like anything else, it's, it's just becoming something they're not paying attention to. Um, and I think any true gamer, at least, is kind of smart enough to make up their own mind and kind of know, you know, what, what kind of games that they like. Well, I think the big deterrent is that um, the the size of the public far outweighs the influence that any marketer or developer or someone who would want to, you know, go with a few shenanigans could uh, could do. Like, if I wanted to write a, free, a few reviews somewhere, it wouldn't matter because there'd be 500 other people writing reviews, right. and so anything I wrote would have no no power anyway, unless I actually went to the extent of creating software to do it for me in mass, right? At or that, you hire one of these Chinese companies that I already just talked about, and for 600 bucks get a 1,000 reviews. yeah. But I figure I those are probably if you look at like iOS app reviews, you'll you'll probably see stuff like that where it's like, oh, this is very good, and that's it. Yeah, right. Um, you see stuff like that. I I've been on Yahoo Answers before, and I think that's really that's probably the lowest of the low, like worse than YouTube comments in terms of, of <laughs> quality of people uh, producing commentary, and uh, also a place where people spam things, right? And where you see stuff that's definitely 
automated or people who don't actually know what they're talking about. Just speaking for the sake of speaking and putting in a link when it's irrelevant to the You know what's funny about content. this? This makes me distrust everything written by on it by anybody on the internet except people who I know who they are. Yeah. <laughs> even then, their accounts could be hacked and, and it might not be that. Yeah. And then even then you're not sure. Yeah. So. If you're not seeing them face to face and you're sure that they haven't had surgery recently, then uh, that's really the only way to believe it. We'll be right back. It's me, Mario. You're listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. It's a number one. Woo-hoo! And we are back. In case you haven't listened to the show in a while, you might not have heard our frequent advertising for the University of Advancing Technology. Website is uat.edu. Go check that out if you are interested in learning more about them or if you don't know what they are and you want to learn because I mention it far too often. Uh, Now, Scott, you are still on with us, right? I am. Excellent. Uh, Ara wanted to cover a new topic. We've got a few of them, actually. Uh, Half a show remaining. Very exciting so far. So, Ara... All right, so check this out. Um, so there's been an interview circulating the blogs lately um, with um, this guy named Chris uh, Av- Avalon, chief creative officer of Obsidian. Um, so he said something which is um, not something really cataclysmic, something that a lot of developers have echoed. Right? He said, uh, I hope digital distribution stabs the used game market in the heart. Right? And now we've all known that, like, okay, you know, there's, there's a lot of di- digitally distributed games now. They've... You know, they feel like they're kind of, you know, here to stay, at least in some form or another. And, um, you know, that's now it's a viable and, you know, stable way to get games, right? But um, we also know that, you know, a lot of developers and particularly publishers, you know, we, we think that if they had their way with uh, with the world, one of the things that they would do is to just completely eliminate retail and to only have digital distribution, right? And, you know, just like... Uh, you know, this guy says in his interview. So I started to thinking, and I'm wondering, you know, what? let's talk a little bit about, like, what that, what is that going to be like if there is only digitally distributed games, right? Like, one, do you guys think we'll ever get to that point? And two, if you do, and if we do, um, what's that going to be like for the consumer? I mean, is that going to be really good for the consumer? Do we like this future? I think Rich can can speak to this quite a bit, but I, I think you're going to see basic advantages and disadvantages. First of all, obviously the option for used will will go away for the most part, unless whatever company controls the uh, your account of purchase games, like like Steam, right, allows you to gift or resell something, which I seriously doubt they would ever do. Steam is they have they have different gift stuff on Steam, and there's they are creating a a method to share games with other accounts. Where you can say like, "Hey friend, you can play this game for a week, and then I can't anymore. For that week, I can't play it, but my friend can. So you can share a game. I don't know that many other publishers are going to be on board with this, but but Valve will be doing it with their games. From from the sound of it, that's that's kind of what's in the works. One of the things, anyways. That that's interesting, but I can't um, imagine that all. But I mean, very well. I mean, you can just buy the game or. I don't know. Like it just seems like the digital distribution is just so much more convenient to have a game on an account. Like I think it's it's going to be a slow transition over 
quite a few years. Like we're going to move away from disks onto uh, essentially flash memory, like USB sticks or something like that, or SD cards, some variant. Um, because you, we're going to be able to store way more on an SD card. We can have a 16 gigabyte SD card or an 8 gigabyte DVD where the SD card essentially costs the same to manufacture as a disk, and it's way smaller. What are you What are you talking about? That's crazy. Yeah, I yeah. don't know where this is going anymore. <laughs> but no. I'm saying we're going to switch. We're going to get off of disks because they're they're yeah, large. Everybody's going to live in the cloud. You're not going to have any are, media. Are you, are you channeling? Terrible. Let's uh let's not channel Ray Curls while too much, guys. No, 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 no. let's like but, let's stay with the topic. But what I'm hand. saying though is I think eventually it's going to it's going to move to complete digital distribution because the idea of buying a thing and then plugging it into a computer or your phone or whatever it is is just silly. Like, if you had an iPhone that you had to buy applications on SD cards and plug it into your phone, that'd be the most insane thing ever. That would have been awesome 15 years ago or 10 but years ago. They did ago. it with the N-Gage. But it, it would be <laughs> silly today. And in the future, we're going to see that across pretty much all electronic devices yeah. where you're not going to buy a game in a store I and mean, the, plug it in. The question of whether or not it will happen, yes. It's, okay, well, maybe, maybe that's not so clear. Um, Scott, what do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, I can definitely tell you, I can predict when it's going to happen. I mean, I think it'll happen eventually, but it, it won't happen until retail can get a piece of that action. And it's something a lot of people don't think about, but it's like, oh, we just call it digital. We could, you know, cut out the middleman. You don't have to go to Best Buy or Walmart or Target or anywhere to get your games. You just download them direct. The problem is, um, at least with, say, consoles, is you can't digitally download a console. Um, you need to go to the store to buy it. And if you cut out the retailer and go all digital with your software, then you're going to have a really hard time getting them to sell your hardware. And that's a problem that has to be solved um, before I think we're going to see true adoption of digital. You know, those game stops and Walmarts and Targets and Best Buys want a piece of that pie. It's a big multi-billion dollar pie. And I think there's a lot of politics uh, around it more than just, you know, te- technology-wise, can we do this or not? Yeah, but that already and exists. You can you can buy cards at Target and Walmart and GameStop to, yeah. to give you the code to download a certain game. So it allows people to buy gifts right. at stores, things like that. Yep. So that infrastructure, I mean, that that's already here. And uh, getting them to... Well, that's all, I think that solves the new game problem, and, and definitely that they are moving that direction. But the used game problem is also part of that. They're making way too much money. But, I mean, they can just product. ignore... GameStop. Like, if it comes down to it, if GameStop stops existing, there aren't going to be fewer people that are going to buy a console. They're just going to go to Walmart instead if they want it, or a Best Buy. Yeah, so not to Walmart, Walmart carries it, and they're yeah, going to sell Walmart, new Best copies. Yeah, Walmart, Best Buy, and those guys, though, are starting to get into used games. Uh, Sort of. I mean, Best Buy is like kind of like dipping their mm-hmm. toe in, but they're not actually doing it properly, mm-hmm. I don't think. But Listen, they are. That, yeah. And that's fine, but but I think that's also irrelevant to the question at hand. Um, and whether or not they're willing to sell the console, I mean, they sell computers, and computers, uh, pretty much everything is digital download. But there's a profit margin on a computer, right? Yep. So either they could introduce a profit margin into a console or accept the fact that there's some infrastructure for selling uh, digital downloads in the stores or the fact that there's also peripherals that are sold. So there's always going to be incentive to sell the console. And if there isn't one, they will create one by by putting in a profit margin. So I'm not worried about that, that the console wouldn't be sold. I think a, a GameStop is more at risk than a Walmart, obviously, right? Because they have more invested in, in this particular niche that is video games. But, um, yeah, but by volume, Walmart sells more video games than, than any other retailer. 
Yeah. yeah. And, and they make more than half of those billions of dollars on the software. So, I mean, they do stand to lose quite a bit. Well, of course, but but still, until the problem is solved. But, e- still, but even if they completely stopped selling video games, they would still be a profitable venture, right? Walmart wouldn't go away, whereas GameStop would not, would not exist. Well, I, yes, I understand, right? But GameStop can't exist without, you know, the video game market. Walmart can. And so anything that they do in, in that area is uh, just extra profit for them, whereas GameStop... They, I mean, they develop their infrastructure, their buildings, their employees exist only to serve the video game market. So it is certainly a bigger risk for them. Um, but I, I mean, I see your point that that it probably will not truly happen until retail can get a piece of that. But I, I would argue that they already can. Um, yeah. Well, the, well so they are starting to. But that I think once once they really get a handle on that business model, then um, then we'll see the switch. Yeah. But, because it is better for everybody if you're not dealing with real medium. I think a bigger component of the switch is internet access for everyone, which is not nearly as ubiquitous as as Rich and I probably feel that it is in the United States, right? There's uh, lots of, lots of people buying Madden for their kid and, and they don't have internet in their house, right? What I don't know what the current stat is, but last I heard, it's something about 50% connectivity well, in this here, country. Here's what it comes down to: if you're buying Madden 15 on the next Xbox and you don't have internet. Don't buy Madden. Get internet. Trust me, it's better. <laughs> Internet's way better than Madden. Not when you're all of the internet or Madden. Not not when you're yeah. uh, you know a mother trying to satiate her child's yeah, desire for Madden. Hasn't yeah, caught up yet. but if you have a kid, tr- YouTube. Oh, just go play on YouTube. If if a kid doesn't have internet, oh YouTube. This is amazing. This is way cooler than Madden. <laughs> Listen, a kid wants Madden. So it doesn't matter what I don't know. The kid might did like YouTube a lot, but uh, let's <laughs> let's be glad you're not an apparent. Well, so, you got two big issues, right? In our country, broadband penetration in rural areas is still very low. Wireless, um, you know. I mean, and what about wireless? We're, I mean, we're not talking about tomorrow. Like we're talking about ten, fifteen, twenty years. Like wireless yeah. is rapidly taking over. Like even even today, four G is already. 12 to 15 megabits per second where that's faster than a lot of people's home like wired internet connection like a lot of people have two megabit per second internet connection at their house so if you can have wireless essentially as as cell phones yeah but he was talking about rural areas man yeah but even in rural areas you can i mean my dad up in minnesota has had 4g so like he has it in the middle of nowhere on a lake no, that's good. The problem is, I mean, right now with 4G, right, you get 5 gigs a month or whatever it is. You could download one game and blow your monthly budget. I mean, it, it'll have so, to adapt. The system will have to adapt. Yeah. And, and 10 years from and, now, those limits are going to be way higher. Yeah. If and like Europe, all. you have that same problem, right? You've got to pay for your bandwidth. So there's an extra charge. It could be like $15, $20 on top of your game download to pay for the bandwidth to download the game. Nice. See? So I think these are all much more reasonable re- uh, reasons for, for it not happening soon. Than, than simply the retail model, which already exists to an extent. Yeah, oh, the uh, technology's there. It's, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's money on all fronts. Yeah. So I, I would argue that right now we're actually living in the sweet spot where you get the choice of either, because Rich pretty much doesn't go to the store anymore to I, buy his game. I do oh, like I it right now because I, I, I really find that, you know, maybe, maybe um, I'm just hanging on to the past, but I really love just having a physical library of games that, like, you know, these are the games I've collected over the years, and these are the best games, and no matter what happens, like, I'll still be able to fire up my technology and use them 20 years in the future, because well, I own them. That That's true for me, too, and you know what? There's uh, something interesting I realized relatively recently. There's a lot of games that I have 
digital only on Xbox Live, right? Because they're Xbox Live. And, uh, you know, time goes by and I get a new Xbox and I don't have them all on the hard drive. And now I forget what I've even purchased. And now I don't have them there because I just don't remember and go re-download them. We'll be right back. And we are back. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio, the Scott and Rich edition. And um, this is the last segment, and my, uh, there's an alien that's um, taken over the back of my throat. So uh, I'm going to kind of hang back for a little bit and uh, let you all you guys take over. Fantastic. I, uh, I'm going to remind people once again to go to uat.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. Go do that. Um, so we are just talking about, about digital distribution and how it'll inevitably happen. And, and I think the the most valuable thing that I got out of that discussion is realizing right at the end there that that this is the best time to be a video game buyer. But but I am still upset that like Rich says there's a solution to this at least on Xbox where like I can I can transfer my license and then it gives me the option to just download every bit of content I've ever downloaded, which I would not want by the way because I've downloaded useless themes and a bunch of crap that I wouldn't want anymore. But I certainly would like to to have a more accessible list of everything you've ever purchased, which, uh, you know, iOS actually implemented that relatively recently um, when it switched to iOS 5 and it had the cloud stuff. Uh, part of the implementation of that is looking at all the stuff you've purchased and you can just look through it all, which yeah. produces the same headache of having too large a library of things that you don't want <laughs> to, to even look through anymore. But um, at least it's there. Whereas on Xbox, it's, it doesn't seem clear to me. Like, yeah. I know I've transferred a license once before. But I don't think I was just presented with, oh, you have this and this and this and this and this, and grab it if you want yeah. it. I actually just did that, and yeah, that was the big problem, is you had to already know what you had bought, and then go find it. And then it'd be like, oh, you can download this again. But you, there was nowhere to say, like, okay, show me what I bought so I can pick what I want to put on here. Yeah. I, so that would that would be nice. Rich is telling me that you can just say download when, all. When I did it, when I had transferred oh, my license. Oh, that option. Yeah, because like I just went onto the Xbox website. I remember when I did it, and maybe they don't have this option anymore because they change their policies like constantly, it seems. And so when I had done it, I had transferred my license, and it just said like you have stuff, download it. And I said okay, and it just downloaded it to my new Xbox, and then I went through and deleted a bunch of stuff. Oh wow! Um, which was still a hassle, but it was easier than finding the stuff. Yes, yeah. I, I just wish I could that. have. I could have a list, and and they're always. <clears throat> we haven't talked about the new interface very much. They're always struggling with new new ways to present information to you, especially in the days when now there's so much. People have these libraries, right? It's not like when you go to Ara's house and you see this physical library that the you know Microsoft didn't have to work on how he designs his house, right? But now they have to work on how to present to you your entire history of Xbox games. And, and moving forward, too, when you have backwards compatibility, it's not just what games have you bought on this system, it's what games have you ever bought on Xbox Live ever. Because like with the next Xbox, I'm sure all the old Xbox Live content will, will work on it. So you're going to have this ever-increasing list of things. And I would like to see an interface that kind of simulates a wall where you just have a stack of games. Like when you walk into a GameStop and you see all these games, you can just sort of zoom in and stuff. But, but that's my own personal pipe dream. Um, but I just like I remember at one time like I had Worms or Worms Two or one of those fancy Worms games on Xbox Live and I have no memory of which one it was and uh, you know maybe I just want to play it one day. And There's a like on for for PC anyways like Microsoft doesn't have it but I mean Steam has the library option where you can just look in a list or you can look in like a detailed 
uh, menu, or you can see it, it just shows like large picture icons for the different games, and you can kind of scroll through them. But uh, the good old games, I think, is what it's called. Yeah. They have like this virtual um, game shelf where it's it's like the I think the iPhone has the bookshelf where you can see New the stand, books. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just like that, but with game covers. Good. See, that's exactly what I'm talking and about. It's pretty nice. I would like that. Yep. So put that on Xbox Live. I don't know why they struggle so much with their their interface, which that's another thing R and I did before we came over, right? He was showing me all the things that that piss him off about the new Xbox interface. Oh, I'm saving it for next time. Yeah. Um, when we talked about this uh, on the last episode, um, I, I had the assumption because it did it had come out the day of our show, and like neither of us had the, had the opportunity to download it yet, and someone called in and told us a little bit about it, but only with a, a short amount of use. And I assumed that you'd be able to move some tiles around and be able to customize a bit. You can't. Still, it takes me several button presses to, like, open up Netflix or Hulu Plus, which is very frustrating to me. Yeah, I should yeah. be able to put that on my homepage and just open it up. I've, I've heard it's terrible. I haven't used it yet. It is terrible. You haven't even used it yet? I, I haven't. I think I've turned my Xbox on two weeks ago, and then before that, like, three weeks prior. Nice. Well, I mean, it's not all bad. Yeah. Like, no, it's I, like it's like a glacier. Like it's only eighty percent bad. I heard from one of my friends, and I thought that was it was the funniest thing. Is this the new social stuff where it'll be like, oh, this friend wants to play this game, and one of the guys was saying it just kept recommending him to play Skyrim with a friend, and he's like, <laughs> Skyrim is a single player game. Like that should be disabled. Like I can't play this game with that person, and yet you're telling me to play the game with the person. Maybe he should have tried. Yeah, <laughs> see what happens. Uh, was his friend just trolling him? I don't. I don't know. But it was. It. It sounded weird. Ah, it sounds like his friend was just trying to piss him off. But which is kind of funny. Actually, I checked out. I checked out the new UI actually for the first time last night, and uh, from what I could tell, really, the redesign seems to be a lot around working with the Connect. Yeah, I mean that's that flow better. That's the whole direction, and and that upsets me because my my connect is basically functionless in my particular living room. It uh, it sits atop my um, my LCD TV, right? So it's at a mm. height of about six feet, pointing down at me on my couch, and it it can't see me no matter how hard I try. And God forbid my wife be on the couch with me, right? Then it's that's all done. I was trying to like. Uh, to scroll through time on on a video because for whatever reason like I accidentally canceled out of it had to open up the video again and get to the point where I just stopped from it was it was impossible um, even yeah. though like I stood up in front of it got my ass off the couch which is a big task and uh, still couldn't couldn't find out so anyway that yeah. bothers me I actually I, I just talked to a good friend of mine on the phone last night same kind of problem and they went out and got the uh little pads you can put under your couch, and they actually push their couch out of the living room into the kitchen when they want to connect. I've, I've thought about doing the same thing. Too. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, got some, got some issues. I'm not really that big of a fan. I mean, I don't think we're really the target for a connect. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, yeah. So let's talk about something else coming out soon. We, we only have a couple minutes left. Um, Rich, first of all, was there any, anything you wanted to talk about? You just came for fun? Yep. Today? Okay. Um, I recently came across an article. You were mentioning Obsidian earlier, right? Uh, not this CCO or whatever it was that you were talking about, Ara. Um, but I saw an article last week on uh, South Park, the game. Well, another South Park, the game coming out yeah. soon. The oh. RPG. Yeah. yeah. This, this is the first RPG I've ever read about that I'm actually interested 
to play. Now, now Scott, I don't know if you're a frequent listener of the program. I'm assuming you're not. I, on, on many occasions, have discussed the fact that I don't play RPGs. I find them boring, um, mm-hmm. just not interesting. And, and we, we've not so slowly come to the, the realization that RPGs are simply for people who want uh, a book, a playable book, right? Some sort of right. narrative presented to them that makes them feel like they're doing something. And um, I prefer playing games that are actual games and, and some sort of, uh, I want to say physical challenge, but, you know, the challenge of actually moving through a game, of, of jumping at the appropriate time or attacking something in an efficient way or something. Uh, RPG is not that way. But I am interested enough in, in the comedy stylings of South Park and, and the story that I actually want to play this game. And uh, I don't know why... That's so impressive to me. I, th- I guess just because I know how much I don't enjoy playing role-playing games. Yeah. Um, but perhaps it's just a testament to the people who make South Park. Yeah. I can't I, I actually so talk much. much about that because THQ was uh, is publishing it. Really? And, yeah, I, was, I worked for THQ, but I, I I do have inside information, but I can say that it sounds cool. That's really all I can say, but yeah, I'm, I'm fairly interested myself. Yeah. But you don't work for THQ anymore. I don't, but no, I yeah, I'm un, I'm under uh, non-disclosure. Really? As a, as a, yeah. How long yeah, does that last? Yeah, pretty much any big publisher. When you leave, you're still under non-disclosure. How for long? A period. Usually two Forever. to three years. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some. I was just making a hand motion to the line. It's it's not complete. Correct me if you disagree, Scott, but I don't think it's wholly unheard of for even some of them to be like five years long. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Just long enough for the game and its sequels to come out. I mean, I could I could see for I mean some some games would come out they have one two year development cycles, but like if you had worked for Blizzard on Diablo three like seven years ago when they were <laughs> developing that game, they probably wouldn't want you talking about it before they actually announce it, even though you no longer might have worked with them. But all right, well anyway, I'm just saying that I'm actually excited about about this game too. I think it's I mean, going to be good. I don't get terribly excited about anything, so I don't want to say I'm I'm crazy. Like like Rich is the hype man, yeah. But uh, I am interested to see how this game turns out. I think the most interesting part is that Matt and Trey are actually working on it. Like they're doing writing for the game. Oh yeah, if they weren't, they're working with Obsidian, be. which is the first time they've actually put effort into one of the games. Really? Yeah. I mean, Before I they were just it. like, yeah, make it. We don't care. And now they're like, no, we're going to make an RPG. Okay. So well, I'm I'm actually interested to see how this one how this turns out so me too i just thought i would mention that because our listeners know how much i don't care about rpgs so this this says (laughs) something to that that franchise anyway scott thank you very much for joining us on the show to remind everyone we'll be not uh not in the studio next week uh the week after that i think what is that the 27th of the month whatever that tuesday is we will be back for our final show of the year and uh well you know that'll be interesting We're, we're gonna hit eight years on the air next month uh, anything else, Rich? It boggles Ara? the mind. Anybody? All right, then. End of the show. Thank you so much, Scott. We will be back in two weeks, everyone. Sleep time now. Listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.